1: Welcome to this extended bite-sized episode. This is the concluding third part to the wonderful series by Talene and Philippa about architecture and sustainability. Regular listeners will notice that I'm a bit out of sync. Uh, This week should be a full episode. But through a combination of me working around the country and uh, a couple of last-minute interview cancellations, I haven't got an interview for you. But rest assured, I have got some Excellent, excellent folks lined up, and I should be back on track very, very shortly. Expect catch up episodes and my humblest apologies. Okay, uh, so news. Firstly, fans of the trespass episode with Nick Hayes, that was uh, episode number 17 back in May 2020. There is a mass trespass happening on the South Downs, that's uh, Sussex. On July 24th of 2021, there will be botanists and singers and talks and picnics. Uh, it's a very, very peaceful protest. It's a bit of a walk. It's all part of the campaign for the uh, the right to roam. So if you're interested in that, head to landscapesoffreedom.com. And it's worth saying that I'm going to be there. Uh, I think Flo Hamer from episode 10... Uh, I assume Nick Hayes will be there, and I'm pretty sure there's going to be some more building sustainability people's. So, uh, so come and say hello, and uh, and hang out and have a nice time uh, while gently campaigning for uh, for a really good cause. Uh, next up uh, is mega birthday Patreon giveaway news. Um, this was meant to be the podcast birthday in April, uh, and then it was meant to be my birthday. But I've been too busy. Uh, so this is happening in the month of July. But it's still the birthday giveaway. Uh, so this is, I've got loads of prizes. Fantastic, beautiful prizes. And I'm giving them all away to one lucky person who joins the uh, the Patreon uh, subscription this month. So the month of July 2021. And so the prizes we've got. There's not one, not two, but three beautiful shrink pots by John Mullaney. I am holding one in my hand right now. It's an absolute thing of beauty. Um, I actually have three of these shrink pots uh, that I keep my tea, my coffee and my sugar in. And it's a real joy to have these bits of art in your life every day. They're handcrafted beauty uh, for things which are very you know mundane i guess sort of every day making the tea i should also say that i've posted pictures of this on my instagram uh, jeffrey the natural builder and on the building sustainability podcast instagram um, and i'll also put in the show notes uh, links to all these makers uh john Mullaney is of course uh, for anyone that listened to the cut the craft episode uh for the interview i did for them John Mullaney was my uh, inspiration from other crafts. Uh, I find him one of the most inspiring people Uh, and he will be on this podcast soon. Uh, We just need to find a time when we're in the same place. Um, So other prizes. I got well distracted then. Uh, There are two spoons from Dave Cockcroft. Dave Cockcroft, episode number two of Building Sustainability he has yeah two two beautiful beautiful spoons uh one of them has been ebonized which uh means it's been painted with a, a mixture of of iron and uh an acid like a vinegar and what that does is it reacts with the tannins in the wood and makes it go a really deep dark black really very very special so the two spoons one's light and one's black very very nice um i eat my breakfast most days with a dave cockcroft spoon um and i am excited for you to do the same uh what else have we got more prizes yes more prizes uh there is a super summer foraging lino cut poster uh which is by isla middleton and yeah this is a just the thing that combines so many of my loves foraging lino cuts summer yeah so that that's a beautiful beautiful thing and finally, uh, because we couldn't give you spoons without a bowl, my good friend and very talented bowl maker, uh, Jeff Hannis has created, turned on his lathe, a, a field maple bowl. So you can have the complete breakfast kit. Yeah, so those are the prizes. And to be in with a chance, you just need to go to patreon.com forward slash building sustainability Uh, and support this podcast with as little as a pound you can name your own price on there Um, whatever you want to do to support is okay with me i'm very very pleased that you would uh, consider helping out because this podcast does take a lot of time and quite a lot of money to produce so if you do find it useful then uh, it would be great to be supported Really, though, I mean, you just want to win those prizes because they are sweet. And of course, as well as uh, being in chance with winning those prizes, you get all the bonus content. There's seven and a half hours of extra conversations in there. Uh, And you get to ask questions of all the the future guests. I'd say all the future guests. I'm not that organized. Some of the future guests. Um, So, yeah, you can suggest questions and, and find out who's going to be on earlier this giveaway runs for the month of july uh, so anyone that becomes a patreon supporter in the month of july 2021 is automatically entered into the prize draw uh, so that it's pre- some pretty good odds um so i did feel very bad for the existing supporters uh and so I've commissioned a special bowl from none other than Flo Hamer from Building Sustainability Episode 10. Uh, she has turned this beautiful, stunning bowl. Um, so all the existing supporters, you are in the draw for that. If you do fancy having a go at winning uh, the other prizes as well, then you can just put up your uh, support by an extra pound or something. And that will uh, put you into the, the main draw as well. So, best of luck, and uh, yes, this is just July 2021, so if you're listening much later, I'm afraid it's too late. Ah, what else to tell you, this is a lot of talking, isn't it? Blimey. Uh, So, a quick update on the tiny house. Um, This week, I have framed the walls, and I got as far as putting the ridge uh, ridge beam up in place, Uh, and I put the ridge beam up all by myself, using a complicated system of pulleys, and ladders, and gentle raising increments. Uh, And, yeah, now I've decided that uh, I actually want to change the base and make it a bit better. Uh, So I'm going to take it all back down again. Um, So, yes, uh, it's maybe probably a day of undoing, fixing, and then rebuilding. Um, But I think that when I compare that day to potential sleepless nights from feeling like i haven't done as good a job as i should have done uh, i think uh, i will be coming out on top with just a day's extra work also the roof metal uh, is arriving next week um so pretty soon uh, you should see a roof on it um if you do want to follow along then check out uh, my instagram that's jeffrey the natural builder Uh, I've been talking a lot about materials, uh, specifically insulations on there at the moment, uh, talking through some of my choices for insulations and why I've chosen them. Uh, And I should also say a massive, huge thank you to uh, the team at Mike Y. They are heritage and sustainability specialists, and I've been going to them with loads and loads of questions about the insulation and yeah that they've been a, a really good sounding board uh, for for my questions and i've come up with decent solutions and they've got all the products that i need so uh yeah this is my massive plug to say thank you to mike y and all their team um yeah do check them out mikey.co.uk i think right well that's everything from me uh, do please enjoy this episode with Taline and Philippa and I will be back resuming regular service as soon as possible hopefully next week probably enjoy the episode
2: hi i'm taline josephson and i'm an architect and passive house consultant registered in the u.s
3: and i'm philippa birchwood and i'm an architect and well-accredited professional
2: we both work together and thought we would share what it is like to be sustainable design consultants so Philippa, uh would you like to kick it off and describe your role as a sustainable design consultant because you're actually the one that helped develop our sustainability consultant arm of the architecture practice we work for?
3: yeah, okay, so um well, first of all it's it's not a trick it's not. <laughs> Easy role to try and describe. Um, But I will always go back to the fact that we're qualified architects because I think that has put us in a really good position to be able to think critically um, and be able to tell a story. And that was the first thing that I wanted to do when I joined um, the place I work currently. Um, I wanted to be able to tell a story succinctly about what sustainability means and what it means specifically to architecture practices. So, I was fortunate enough in my role. Um, I was given carte blanche to figure that out um, and go out to conferences and absorb information. And um, I managed to piece. These puzzle pieces together, and you know, attended a lot of UK Green Building Council events, along with others. And um, one of the first things I did um, was listen to Christiana Figueres be interviewed by the Guardian in Central London, um, which really helped me set the scene as well. Because you know, despite the fact that she was the architect behind you know they they call her the architect of the paris agreement she still has optimism and she always talks about the balance between optimism and outrage so that really set the tone <laughs> for my role at the current place um so yeah the way you know what i did um is i'd learned about the eu levels project um where they were trying to embed key themes throughout all the accreditation schemes across the EU. Um, so you might have heard of things like BRIAM, LEED, um, things like um, Green Star, which is further, further afield. I think it's an Australian accreditation system. Um, but they wanted to have some key themes considered in all of these accreditation schemes. And so I recognise those being relevant for architecture. So these themes are carbon control, which is the sort of mitigation so reducing carbon as much as possible then water resources things looking at you know, circular economy um, and reducing materials, etc. Um, health and well-being, and I obviously since have done my um, my well A P exam, which I'd probably say was harder than my A levels, um, <laughs> having to retain information. Um, and then we've got resilience, which is a sort of adaptation element biodiversity um, and then cost and value um, and when we talk about value that's you know social value and just some things just can't literally be conveyed in monetary terms but it's, it's the wider benefit and that really served as a framework for for then me to be able to tell this story to the rest of the practice and bring them along with it and also we use these um, drivers to talk to clients about schemes as well and we've now developed sort of key performance indicators that we can put against each of these drivers and it's just our language and obviously there's many different um, frameworks out there um, but fortunately because of this EU levels project these themes seem to sort of slot in to things like the UN sustainable development goals and other frameworks such as you know one planet living etc. So we hope that we've got a really good baseline right from sort of stage naught um, when we design. If a client decides, you know, at stage three that they need to get Briam excellent, which does happen more often than not, <laughs> um, it means that the project team should be in a really good position to already consider a lot of the a lot of the key themes that Briam would ask for, and you know, it just these things to just be embedded as standard whether there's going to be an accreditation or a badge associated with the building or not
2: i was going to say i think what's interesting in our role specifically uh, on our team is that we're actually we're not just implementing these drivers and mapping these seven drivers against internal projects we're also consulting on external projects or and external clients so we'll have um what our clients would be maybe developers or, uh, the owners of buildings, for example, uh, as well as consulting with contractors on how to make their work as sustainable as possible. Uh, for example, running workshops and providing consultation advice on materials and, you know, other aspects of the buildings. So, uh, we're, we're reaching out beyond the internal like design team to the building owners, uh, and then also we have the opportunity to do a bunch of public speaking, which then allows us to kind of send the sustainability message even further uh, and reach even more people than we would be able to if we were just working on one-off projects, for example, inside of the architecture firm.
3: Definitely. Collaboration is really important at this time. And I really strongly believe that anything that we, we develop, we share um, because otherwise we're not going to move forward as an industry and yeah it has been really interesting because I think probably when you are sustainable you know sustainably minded um you know you're you're the holistic architect so you'll know um <laughs> it's it's a just a mindset isn't it that you can apply to anything and you know it will be it will be prevalent in our personal lives as well as in our work lives um so what I'd say to you is that has has there ever been um, points where you felt overwhelmed with thinking about it just a little bit too much? Absolutely. I mean, it's kind of hard as well, because we've all been inside for a year uh,
2: in lockdown and you get overwhelmed with all of the news. And, and I'm on Instagram far too much, uh, but it, it can be very overwhelming. And that can definitely have periods of uh, eco-anxiety potentially induced by a particular New story, for example, or just the general thought of having a lot of responsibility uh, that it, it kind of goes within our, it comes from our role. And I think you've mentioned this to me as well, um, that we have a responsibility to make a project or uh, the firm as sustainable as possible. And that is a lot of weight on someone's shoulders and it can create a lot of personal like inner turmoil and eco-anxiety. So it's really important to have this balance between work and personal life, and be able to turn off the social media a little bit and have and focus on your personal well-being. Because you ca- you can't be effective in your like fight for, I guess, sustainability in the environment if you are not taking care of yourself. We'll be back after a quick break.
1: Hey there, I'm Mick from the Mick and Pass Show. That's right. And I'm Pat. Looking for a podcast that's like catching up with the old friends? Well, you're in luck. We're here to bring you weekly doses of lifestyle commentary, discuss culture and politics, and top it off with the occasional beer and film reviews. But it's not just about us. We're a community. Our listeners are our kin, and we let you all have a say in what we discuss. So, saddle up and join the conversation at the Mick and Pat Show. You can check out our website or find us wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Definitely. And I think probably both of us are in a similar position that obviously up to this point, we both really longed for a role like this. Um, And then we've obviously got this role um, and we've actually we're privileged enough to be able to make positive change. And so therefore, yeah, it's um, also privileged enough to be able to sort of go out and listen to these conferences and really get the the real truth and facts on on the situation we're in currently and so yeah I think probably at the beginning of at the beginning of the the position I'm in now obviously I still had um the background community work going on um on top of just being very very excited about this role so you know I was absorbing so much um so much on the on the subject um and it, it got to a point where you know um my friends probably didn't quite recognize me as the same person just because I just wanted to talk about it all the time because I just thought this is the most important issue why are we not talking about it and you know that it's fine probably after the first first five minutes but when I realized that I couldn't actually get my brain off that track that's when I realized that I probably need to let some of my old hobbies back in um you know, read a book, read a fiction book, you know, do some drawing, um, go for a walk, you know, um, allow some breathing space so I can really be effective um when I do decide to speak about the subject.
2: Yeah, something else we've also discussed is beyond the, the effect or I guess our personal well being and uh how it affects our relationships when we're constantly thinking about like our eco anxieties is that We have to realize the scales of impact uh, because at our our current position, we have a huge impact being able to reach potentially thousands of people, uh, whether it be through public speaking or actually being able to implement um, sustainable design principles in a building uh, that would affect not only the user, but the contractor who's building the the building as well as the people who are making the materials uh, further along the value chain, but um, just being able to make those differences on a much larger scale in the built environment and kind of reserving our energy for that fight rather than kind of nitpicking at home between like our, our partners or our personal relationships with our friends, that if you consider the scale of impact and you consider where you put your personal energy, I think that can also help relieve some of that
3: stress that you might feel. Definitely, definitely. Um, And I think that's one thing, you know, it it is good to have um, alternative opinions around you. That's like definitely something that it's good to get the dose of reality every so often so we know we're not in an echo chamber and I think you know in this in this profession you know we are still one of very few sustainability professionals in the construction industry and so we are faced with reality quite a lot. Um <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah I mean I don't know if you have you got any examples? Uh Yes I mean
2: I guess you can take, and obviously you're in the same boat with me, but you can take examples from not only within the firm, uh, like when you're speaking to fellow architects, but also with clients uh, where you really need to be able to balance the client's needs or the design, the design, uh, the design's needs, the building's needs with the cost and also the sustainability requirements or goals. So, If it's impossible, for example, uh, within the monetary budget to fit in a specific material, how do you discuss that with the client to maybe find an alternative uh, that is healthier than what might have been in their base specification? Uh, How can we make those changes? Where do we put those efforts in? Can we have a workshop or run some or have some dialogues with the client even before the design process starts in order to mitigate any Uh, costs down the line that would be coming from changes and materials specified for example
3: yeah I think I think um, obviously we are um, really lucky to have some really progressive clients but obviously there are some clients that do require buy-in and I think um, we've identified through looking at our sort of of value chain as architects, so to speak, and having a look at the RIBA work stages, where we think architects have the most impact in in creating, in setting the brief and um, and sort of making key decisions. Um, and I and we kind of I emphasise probably over and over again that really these things need to be considered at uh, stage naught. Yeah. Ideally, I would arm all of the directors um, with. Um, a you know a project appraisal against the drivers um explaining everything that can be done in terms of sustainability prior to even winning a job because um i think it's really important that as architects we show exciting possibilities and solutions when decisions can still be made and just in highlighting the passive benefits the 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 stealthy stuff which um shouldn't affect cost if it's considered early enough. And I think um, with clients, um, there's all too often an association with um of sustainability with high-tech solutions um and sort of you know your PVs, your renewables, etc. But that should really be the last the resort after you know really considering the the fabric of a design, the materials. Um, and really driving down embodied carbon and operational carbon through the through the design.
2: Yeah, and also considering location, orientation, massing, form factor, window placement, etc. Those are all our stealth uh, solutions that we try to consider at the very start of any building design. Uh, we try to we try to be in there at the very start, the beginning meetings as well, to make sure that sustainability is one of the inherent um items that is in the project brief
3: so that and it, it can't difficult. be
2: value engineered out
3: <laughs> yeah and and it is difficult because typically at those early stages that's normally where we're not locked in necessarily to to a commission um but you know what we emphasize is you know that 90 percent of a building's environmental impact is de- defined by the very earliest design decisions so you know we've we've really got to really got to um take that opportunity when we can because the you know i'd probably say the second sort of area where we can advocate is is the sort of specification stage um that's you know when we're when we're really drilling down on what materials we're picking but even then that's that's a bit too late <laughs>
2: Yeah, I agree. But it's also it's it's great to be able to have these challenging conversations with the clients, with the contractors and our fellow designers in order to find sustainable solutions that work in the modern climate, uh, because we need to be realistic. Um, unfortunately, we need we can't have all of our idealistic dreams realized at this point, but we're making strong steps forward.
3: Yeah, and I still think it's probably hard on architects ears when when we say things like, you know, perhaps the most sustainable building is the one that never existed in the first place. But from <laughs> my perspective, you know, that's, that's probably the mindset we should have right from the off. And it's kind of the mindset that I think generally... Um, people that are interested in sustainability seem to have it. it's just you know is it is it required in the first instance can there be a clever solution that doesn't even involve a building you know that's and and that's why the sort of AJ retro first campaign comes from is that you know if there's a building that exists why not work with it before building new. So maybe
2: we should close off this short segment with a few takeaways that we can recommend to others who might be in the built environment and want to uh, incorporate sustainable design principles into their work. Would you like to start off, Philippa?
3: Yeah, so um, one of the first things I did um, was um, look up our value chain as architects, um, you know, looking right from investment, you know, where does the money come from to, you know, propel the business forward right through till the end of life of our product and our product as architects is buildings typically. Um, And we mapped that against the UN Sustainable Development Goals to really see where our impacts are and then we can drill down on those so i'd suggest that would be a great first step and obviously that framework is free and it's something that you can use as a marketing tool as well so before you go off and decide to you know create your own drivers um i would say if i started from scratch perhaps you know we would go go for the UN Sustainable Development Goals. That's a good one. Um, And then I'll just add
2: one tip from myself is that we should always stay curious whether you're a student, a designer, client, developer, whatever you might be, stay curious and ask questions because someone might not always have considered the sustainability questions or questions around uh, material sourcing or uh, embodied carbon or operational energy. So It's up to us to kind of take on that responsibility as the people who uh, are going to question the question, the status quo, perhaps, uh, but also not to put too much pressure that you on your own are going to make all the changes. You need to also delegate that responsibility to the others involved on your team. And uh, I think that's really important as well. We want to thank you all for joining us on our three short segments describing how we came to be sustainable design consultants and what's involved in our role and also how we stay sane in our private life uh,
3: while balancing a very busy but exciting career. Yeah, thank you very much for listening and we'd love for you to get in touch if you have any further questions about how to get into this career or this profession. and please do um follow up with any of the bodies that we'd mentioned acan um mad make a difference networking etc
2: find us on instagram at
3: the holistic architect and and at birch dot and dot wood the bag. (laughs)